Welcome to the Soul Service Podcast. I'm your host and soul-centered leadership coach, Anastasia Burtnick. If you are a spiritual seeker looking to learn, grow, and make deep and lasting change in your life, you are in the right place, my friend. I'll be serving you up juicy topics on soul work, relationships, purpose, power, and everything in between. Together, we are going to dive deep into our hearts and souls so you can live your best life ever. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome everyone to the very first episode of the Soul Service Podcast. I am honestly so excited to be here with you and to be able to speak to you and actually have this podcast. This has been something that I've wanted to create for quite a while and now is the time and it's just amazing that I'm able to get this out to you and that you are here listening with me. So thank you so much for joining me. This is going to be an incredible journey. My greatest hope for this podcast is for you to take what you hear and have it really change your life. I want it to make a deep impact. I would love to see you take the tips that you learn, the knowledge that you learn here, put it into action, and let you be able to create the life that you are dreaming of, the life that you desire. And whatever vision you have, I want you to be able to bring that to life without feeling guilt, without feeling burnout, and not have you stay stuck and spinning and hitting wall after wall because it happens. And I want to guide you through that. So thank you so much for joining me. Let's dive in. So this first episode is all gonna, is going to be all about my story and the things I've been through, what brought me along my journey to where I am today as a soul-centered leadership coach um, and how just all of those pieces fit. So I'll start with my childhood. Seems like a good place to start. So when I was a kid, so I'm an only child, and um, when I was a kid growing up, my dad really wasn't around. He um, was there for a couple of years, but for the most part, he was really absent, and um, I didn't really have a relationship with him until I was in my 20s. And uh, my mom, she was there. She was always around, but that's a complicated relationship. Um, she did her best. And I know that she always came from a place of love, but because she didn't know how to love herself, she couldn't actually give me the kind of love that I needed. So I learned from a very early age that I was only really able to rely on myself And I also had to grow up really quickly. So I didn't get to be a kid for very long because I was forced to step into leadership roles within my family. So because my dad wasn't around and it was just my mom, she um, ended up being pretty isolated. And as a result, I became like her pseudo partner. So she literally dumped everything on me. 
when, um, whenever things were hard at home, when she was struggling, um, if we couldn't pay bills, uh, if she was having a bad day, it didn't matter what it was, but she put everything onto me. So from a young age, and I'm from what I can remember, like starting around probably age six, I knew all about the fact that we were going to lose a house because the payments weren't being made and we had the um, we had our water turned off or our electricity turned off or our heat turned off and it was we couldn't afford anything and money was tight and there was always a struggle. And then um, she didn't have the greatest physical health, still doesn't. And I always knew that like her physical health was horrible and she was in a lot of pain and there was all these things that I kept hearing. And she used to blame my dad for a lot. Um, to this day, I don't know if everything she told me is true or if it's her version. Um, but she blamed him for a lot. So all I ever heard about him was how horrible he was. And um, it was it was hard because I was forced to be responsible for her emotional well-being. And as a child, I didn't even know how to be responsible for my own emotional well-being. So I had to take on these rules of responsibility from a very young age, and it took away a lot from me. So I, I grew up really fast. The only people I ever really connected with when I was young was not kids. Um, I had a very hard time having friends. Um, and the only people I really got along with were people that were older. So the elderly or teachers, um, because I understood them, I didn't understand other kids. I had no idea how to connect with them because I wasn't allowed to be a kid. So I, like, if you don't know how to be a child, how do you connect with them? So I was very lonely all the time. Um, and as a result of that sense of isolation, I actually relied very heavily on my relationship with my mom and um, it ended up turning into a very negative codependent relationship. And in some ways I feel like as I got older and into my teen years, the relationship was almost flipped as in I was the parent and she was the child, but it was, it was skewed. It was so unhealthy. And I just didn't know how to, how to be myself. I didn't know who I was. Uh, I didn't actually have my own thoughts and opinions. Everything that I thought was the narrative that she put in my head. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I realized this. And actually, um, over the past couple of years is when I, when I started my spiritual awakening, that is when I actually realized how I was not my own person. And I had very little control growing up. So despite the fact that I had to step up and be all these things, I also had absolutely no control. So my mom was very hard on me. Um, and it turned into a not enough wound um, where I never felt worthy. I, I was never enough. And that wound carried through each part of my life. And I was very conscious and aware of it. So that not enough wound came from the fact that she, my mom always 
And this came from a place of love, but she always pushed me to do better. So if I brought home like a 90%, why wasn't it 95 or 100? If I got an 80% in a subject that I struggled with, like math, because I suck at math, um, she would always like say, why wasn't it better? Like you have to work harder. You have to be the absolute best. Um, if I helped around the house, it was not enough. If I didn't help around the house, it was not enough. Um, it just, everything I did was not enough. So I had no control. And the other thing that I wasn't allowed to do was change anything. So I had to wait for everything in my life. Um, it wasn't until this year that I ever painted a room that I got to choose how I wanted to decorate because growing up, um, even though we owned our place, um, my mom owned her house. I always had to wait for whatever circumstance she said. So whether it was wait until the house was renovated and new walls were put up, even though, my entire life went by and the, the walls never got changed. And so I was never allowed to paint. I was never allowed to choose how I wanted to decorate things. Um, I had to wait for everything and the waiting, it never, like I never received it. I was just always in a state of waiting and waiting for the right time, waiting for this to happen or that to happen. So I never got to control anything. Um, and the other thing that happened a lot is I was blamed for a lot. So, again, and this plays into the not enough, but I have this very significant memory that sticks out of my head. My mom lost her keys one day, and I think I was around 12 years old, something like that. She lost her keys and couldn't find them. It turns out she put them on her dresser and she covered them with a bunch of stuff. To this day, she still won't admit that it was her that did it. Um, but she lost her keys. I hadn't even touched them. And she, for days straight, would scream at me for two to three hours on end. And it was so hard because I had nowhere to escape to. Um, I, even though I had my own space, it wasn't actually mine because she put her stuff in there. Um, there was no privacy. She would just walk in. Like I couldn't, I had nowhere to go. So I just had to stand there and take it. And yelling back didn't do anything. It just escalated the situation. So I would literally stand there and it would get to the point where I had tunnel vision. Like I would, instead of being able to see normally, it's like my vision, I, I was like five feet back. So it like turned into a tunnel and like I couldn't see in my peripherals and everything was kind of like black and blurry and I couldn't focus as she was screaming at me. And it was just devastating and she would during any time that she screamed I mean she did it a lot um she would call me everything under the sun like she would tell me how I'm so selfish and uncaring and I'm a horrible daughter and a horrible person and I'm not good enough and there was this litany of things that she would say and then she would start attacking herself as if I was saying them, like she would say, you think I'm so stupid and I'm horrible and I'm the worst mother ever. And I would never say any of these things to her. Um, if this was just things that she would say to me about my, about herself as if I had said them to her. And 
it was devastating because all I wanted was just to be loved and accepted as I was um, and, and to not be blamed for things that I didn't do. And that just wasn't a possibility. So, yeah, it was, it was devastating. And she did this all the time. Um, and then literally in the next breath, so like maybe 15, 15 20 minutes after, she would um, stop yelling at me. Sometimes even there was no break. She would just stop yelling at me. Um, she would then turn around and say, oh, I love you so much. You are the best daughter in the world. I couldn't live without you. You're my whole world. You're my everything. And she would shower me with love. And it was, it was so skewed and it was so hard to deal with because I, it was like emotional whiplash. And as a result, I have had for many years uh, until I started healing it, I had a difficulty receiving love because I didn't think I was worthy. I didn't think I was enough. I thought that I always had to change to be something that was lovable. And no matter what I did, I felt like I still wasn't enough and I still wasn't lovable. And that all stemmed from, from that, from the, all that emotional whiplash. And the inability for me to receive love was something that led me to make poor choices down the line. Um, and it made me always search for external validation. Because if I wasn't liked or I wasn't getting attention, like good attention or whatever it was, or getting praise, then I was not worth anything. It's a hard, hard pill to swallow. Um, and that's a belief that I held for most of my life. It was only within the last three years that I healed it. The other thing that this caused, um, all of the not enough, is that I was a perfectionist. So what I could control, I controlled it hard. So my grades, I controlled that hard. I remember being in grade eight, and this was, computers weren't really available yet. Um, I mean, they were, but not really. So I would write things out by hand, like any book reports or papers or anything. And I remember I made a mistake and I couldn't stand whiteout and I couldn't stand crossing it out. So I rewrote the whole paper because I, I misspelled one word and I couldn't have a mistake. And the, that specific paper, I think I rewrote it three or four times. It was crazy. Um, but I, that was the only thing I could control. I could control what I did and how perfect it was. And this actually went into, I joined the cadet program and the cadet program in many ways, um, it saved, it saved me because it gave me a place where I was accepted, where I could be a perfectionist and it benefited me greatly. Um, and I could be the best me I could be. And, you know, so before we get into the cadet part, um, another thing that really affected me was actually I was bullied all the time, all the time. So it started probably in about grade three, went until 
grade eight, I was bullied every single day for five years. There was one time a girl decided to punch me in the face just because, I don't know, she didn't like my face or something. Like, it was crazy. And then people would write mean notes, like, on the walls of the school about me. Um, People made fun of my clothes. Like, they said I was weird. I just, it was, it was brutal. So any place I could have control or that feeling of acceptance, I would jump on it. And cadets made a big difference for me because we were all in uniform. Therefore, we were all equal. Nobody could make fun of me for my clothes. Um, I could could control how I looked. So I had the best uniform. I had the best boots. I I was the best at everything. Um, I did as many extracurriculars as I could. I learned how to be the best leader. Um, and, and teacher. And I, I just made sure I was the best. And my perfectionism, Sean, I was the highest achiever. I mean, I won sea cadet, like top sea cadet in Canada. Um, and there, there's a lot of sea cadets in Canada. Like that was a big honor for me. And it was something that I wasn't striving for, but I did it because I was the best I could be. And that control really served me because it allowed me to, within a safe confine, it allowed me to be myself. And I was always a little bit of a rebel because I refused to wear black socks. I always wore like funky colored socks. So that was my personality. No one knew typically about my funky colored socks. Only I did. But it like let me be spunky um, in the midst of all of the conformity. And yeah, the cadet program, it did so much for me. It gave me confidence. It taught me leadership. It taught me how to teach. Um, You know, I even had, uh, and I think this is so funny, but I had an air cadet squadron ask me to teach their ground school. So like flying planes um, because I was a good teacher because I could pick up any subject, learn it, and then teach it. Like that is just, that's always how it's been. And it's just so funny because I was a sea cadet. All I knew was sailing and they like an air cadet squadron saw me teach, um, saw me teach once and they're like, please come teach our ground school because <laughs> you're good. So that just kind of goes to show uh, that I prided myself on being the best. And I put a lot of work in. I lived and breathed the cadet program. And for me, I then transitioned into the military and the cadet and military lifestyle spanned for more like more than half my life because I started in the cadet program at the age of nine. Um, I joined the military at 17, ended the other cadet program at the age of 19. Um, I double dipped for a couple of years and then I spent 10 years in the, mil- in the actual military. So I'm not that old. <laughs> so it's literally more than half my life. That's all I knew. That's really all I knew. And it turned around when I, when I actually joined the military. So I was uh, in the Canadian Navy for 10 years. And the, the, um, the way that I showed up in the military, the way that I strived, all of that external validation, I carried that into my actual military career. And it served me for a while because I, again, I was very, very good at what I did. Um, 
I volunteered for everything. I was constantly doing things. I was the go-to person. At one point I was wearing like seven different job hats. Um, and I prided myself on it because I was the go-to. I was very well respected. Um, and I, and I earned it. So I was also on the path for promotion. I was ready to get, um, better contracts, better job positions with more responsibility. I was moving up. And everything was great until I got injured. And when I got injured, that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> it derailed my whole career. I didn't know that it was going to do that at the time, but it did. So I want to take a quick step back um, before we dive into this part of the story, because this is another key part is um, this is back relating to my mom. But once I joined the military, I had the ability to take on more of a financial and caretaker role in my relationship with my mom. And as you can, as you're starting to see, it's really codependent. And I already I tried so hard to always please her and do things that would make her happy. And I always, I was always searching for love and searching for a feeling of peace and just acceptance. And I never got it, but because I was searching so hard and one of the things, um, so we were, we were poor growing up my entire life. I mean, she still is to this day. Um, and she's always made poor decisions when it comes to finances. And I never understood it until only a few years ago, um, exactly what was going on. But back when I first joined the military, I decided, um, uh, because our house was in a state of kind of like disrepair. It wasn't in the greatest shape. She couldn't afford to do the renos, but had we... Um, had we sold it and downsized uh, and like kind of like painted it up, made it like freshened it up so that she would get a better price for it. Excuse me. Um, it would have, it would have sold, but there were some things that happened there and um, contractor that she had hired because she took out more money on the mortgage, did a bunch of damage, took off with the money. The, the private lender like clawed it back and, um, they wouldn't advance her the rest of the funds. So she was stuck with a damaged house. So at that point in time, I decided that I really wanted a home and like a home that I could actually have people over at. Because the other thing is my mom, she does hoard. She tries to say that it's all about her business. And I, she truly believes that, but her business is just something that she tries to open a restaurant and gift shop and she keeps buying more things um, and she won't let go of anything. And it's, it's just not successful. It never has been. Um, so the point was to actually have a home instead of a place where all of her shop things were. So I decided that, and this was, this was a selfish it was selfish and not at the same time, but I decided that I'm going to help her out so that we can fix the house to sell 
do some paint, fix the repairs that that contractor made, and then um, sell it and downsize. Would have been fine. But what ended up happening is the house got foreclosed on and I ended up with close to $70,000 in debt, not including all the interest. So no matter what, I had to have a good job. I had to work and the military was suiting my needs for that because um, although every single penny I made went to debt, I was still able to live. Um, So this happened a few years before I was injured and then, um, and then I got injured and that was a shift for me. And it was devastating because everything crashed down around me all at the same time. I was struggling financially. I ended up, they they canceled my contract. So I ended up losing my full-time job in the military. I had to go back to part-time because of the injury itself. They didn't support me the way they should have, um, even though there's programs in place for that. They didn't even um, do the investigation they were supposed to do because whenever you're injured, there's supposed to be an investigation done. um, And they didn't do that for a year and a half. So I was injured. I lost my job. The only only place that would hire me at that point was, um, it was an insurance, like a life insurance company. They're honestly pretty sketchy. Um, But at the time, I believe that they were good. And, but I, that's the only, like I had, I had so many interviews if I could get them and I just, nobody wanted to (laughs) work with someone who was, um, who was injured like I was. So, but this turnkey insurance company did and cause they didn't actually care. Um, you make a sale. That's great. You don't, well, whatever. Cause everything was commission. So that first year I took a, $35,000 pay cut. I almost ended up homeless because all I could do, like I, I wasn't actually even affording the debt. Um, it was just like, there was, there was nothing to spare. So, um, the only reason I didn't end up homeless is because I ended up moving in with my partner, but I had, I insisted on waiting until we had been together for a year. And yeah, it was just, it was devastating. And then at the same time, so I, I lost my career. Um, I was, I was struggling. I almost ended up homeless. Um, the only way I could get food is if I went to a food bank and I couldn't get the medical care that I needed um, because everything that I actually needed, I had to pay for and I couldn't afford it and they weren't covering it because they hadn't done an investigation and wouldn't do so for a year and a half. And then my grandmother also died at that point in time. And my grandmother was the only sane and like, she was the light in my life. Um, She was the reason that I had, I did have any semblance of a good childhood and yeah. It was just losing her was losing a big part of myself and it destroyed me in many, many ways. I was very depressed at that point and I was in a lot of, I was still dealing with a fresh injury. I was hoping that it would change and get better and 
I never actually did. Um, the other thing that happened, and this is this is also heartbreaking, is so I put my entire identity into the military. And as you know, I already looked for external validation. I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. The only time I felt I had worth was when I was when I was told that I was good enough and when I was needed and when I was in positions of power and responsibility. If I lost those, then I was nothing. And that's exactly what happened. It's because I was injured and because I couldn't do the work anymore that I needed to do, that I was required to do, and I wasn't getting the support, I ended up getting horrible personnel reviews. The fiscal year runs from April until March. And I had worked nine months in one department and then I got shifted back into my old department um, when I went, had to go back to part-time. And they wrote a review that erased nine months of stellar work. And they focused on the three months that I was injured and struggling. I got kicked off the promotion list. I lost my promotion. Um, I lost opportunities. They do, I used to be a part of so many things and they took it away from me. I never got it back. I also had people in the unit harass me and spread lies. And although people told, like, it was never, all, it was never to my face, but I had so many people say like, hey, this person is saying all these things about you and saying that you're faking your injury. And, and this person would watch me. They would watch to see if I was injured and they would like, no matter what I did, they would, they would like stalk me and watch me. And like, it was, it was, it was freaking horrible. Like it was, it was, it was, it was horrible. And I had people say like, Hey, this person's spreading rumors about you saying that you're faking your injury and that it's not as bad and you're, and you're not doing your job and all of these things. And, um, nobody would come forward though because they didn't want to cross this guy because he was, had been in the military for a long time. And he was honestly one of those old assholes that uh, thought that he was better than everyone else. And he's definitely sexist. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just, he was just one of those old people like that didn't ever learn how to be a decent freaking human being. But because he'd been in for so long and he rubbed shoulders with the right people, everybody thought he was amazing until you crossed him or he didn't like you. And that destroyed me in so many ways because I couldn't, I felt like I, I not I just, I felt, but also I was always being watched. And there was nothing I could do that was good enough. Everything I had worked for, everything I thought I was, like this amazing member of the military that was super dedicated, that was well-respected, that was the go-to that people needed, I lost all of that. And therefore, I lost my identity because I wasn't separate from it. And it was devastating. I didn't know... I didn't know how to be. I didn't know how to be a person. I didn't know how to live. And the further the time went on, the more I hid away 
And for the first while, I tried so hard to regain the respect. And the thing is, is I was still so limited on a physical level that I couldn't, I still couldn't do the things that they needed me to do. So I was on like this, um, it was a medical chit stating like, these are the activities that I can't do, which means that I'm not eligible to, to actually participate in things um, that I was expected to participate in had I been a fully functioning, wonderful member of the unit. And because I was injured, I wasn't able to do these things. Therefore, I wasn't able to partake. So then opportunities were taken away from me that I could have been a part of, but I was being punished for it. I was being punished for being injured. And I did. I tried so hard for so long to just get the respect back and be a part of the military that I had once been a part of and it didn't work. Nothing I did was good enough. Nothing I did could get me back to the person I used to be. But I still held out hope because I was waiting for surgery and that surgery took two and a half years to get that surgery. So for two and a half years, I kept trying. I did my best as much as I could do. And it, like I said, it was just never good enough. But I had hope. Now in the midst of this, because I was only allowed to be part-time, um, I had eventually quit the insurance company. And I had found a, an administration position. And that paid me a salary. And honestly, that took so much pressure off of me because I wasn't having to worry about whether I was going to have a sale and be able to pay debt. <laughs> wasn't even about foot, putting food on the table because that had to come from a food bank. But having a salaried position at that point in time did save me um, because it allowed me to breathe just enough. I was only making like $10,000 more a year, but it made it made enough of a difference that I could just barely breathe and something that the insurance company did spark in me was a desire to have a better life because they talked about how you could have this great career and be making six-figure income and and all of these things and they they let me envision a better life for myself where I had more control more freedom but I was never aligned into it now, there are some people that they can have nothing and they can hustle super hard, even if they're not fully aligned into it, and they will be successful. I am not one of those people. If I'm not aligned into something, if my soul doesn't feel good about it, then I can't do it. Especially when it comes to anything that is entrepreneurial. If I am not aligned, I cannot do it. I'm not successful because there's, disson there's dissonance between what I'm trying to do and what my soul wants. So the good thing about this, though, is that it sparked a light in me. And after a year, like a year after I was injured, I had started... Um, 
actually found Beachbody programs because I had gained a little bit of weight. I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling strong. And I, at this point, I still hadn't had physio because I couldn't afford it. And I wouldn't get physio for another six months because it would take another six months for them to do the invest to actually do the investigation into my injury. So I was getting no support. So I was doing everything I could on my own by myself to get better. So I found some beach body programs and honestly, I bootlegged them. <laughs> Be very honest about that because I couldn't afford anything. And somehow I ended up part of a challenge group and I modified everything which was amazing because it taught me that I could do things even though I was injured. And having that first challenge group change, it, it did change my life. Um, Cause I started learning about some personal development and some personal growth stuff there. Wasn't much, but a little bit. And I decided after that, that I wanted to be an actual beach body coach because again, that light was sparked in me that light to build something better and to actually help people on a deeper level. And I have always known that I am meant to help people. I had no idea what that was going to look like when I was younger because this is this is an, a knowing that I've had for my entire life that I was meant to do more, meant to do big things and meant to help people on a significant level, really impact people's lives. But I had no idea like what that was going to look like. So when I found Beachbody and I, it made such an impact on my life, um, I actually probably signed up as a coach and I was investing in myself and I thought that I could help people that way. But I wasn't fully, again, I wasn't fully aligned into it. So all I ever made with Beachbody was $500 and that definitely did not break me even because all the Shakeology and everything, I definitely spent way more than that. But it gave me an outlet and it gave me something to strive towards and look forward to. So once I had my surgery, um, it... What happened with my surgery? So I had been part of Beachbody for a year then, really wasn't doing well. Um, I had a lot of resistance about talking to people. I had a lot of fears come up and, oh, my not enough wound was there with a vengeance, always saying that I wasn't good enough and then who am I to be doing this and who am I to be doing that? And I'm sure if you are in any type of entrepreneurial position or just life in general, you've had that imposter syndrome and that not enough wound come up. So that was very, very prevalent for me, but I still had hope. And at this point, I still had hope that I would be able to have my military career and then also build a business on the side. And I, I, I did. I had a lot of hope, had a lot of dreams. So my surgery came around April 2016, and it was rough. I was in the bottom five percentile of, as to how well my surgery went. And after my surgery, I was unable to actually work anymore. So I was still part of the military. I was doing rehabilitation stuff and um, I had things that I had to do, but 
I couldn't go back to my unit. After my surgery, I developed a very severe chronic pain condition. My actual surgery did not go well. I had a very tough recovery. And my depression, which I'd been battling since I got injured, was at an all-time high. Every single day for years, I, I wanted to kill myself. I did not want to be on this earth because all I wanted was to be free of all of the pain, all of the hurt, and not feeling like enough. I just wanted to be free of all of that. So on a daily basis, all day, every day, that's all I wanted was to die. And that was my darkest point. It was right after my surgery. And um, I knew in that period of time that I had a choice. It was either change or die. That was my only choice. Now, thankfully, I had been part of the Beachbody community because although I took a hiatus from coaching because I was focused on my own recovery, uh, there was a different coach that was running a group and um, I, she let me be a part of it. Um, and although I couldn't physically do anything, I drank my Shakeology, I did the nutrition as best I could. But the group was called May You Love Yourself Spiritually. I believe that's the name of it. And it was in the month of May. So it was a month after my surgery. And what she taught in that group was actually the basics of what most people call new age spirituality, even though most of the traditions are like eons, probably old. They're ancient. So this May You Love Yourself spiritually group that I was a part of, that was my big shifting point. I started learning about angels and crystal therapy and chakras and breath work and just the different the different basics. I picked up my first crystals. I think I picked up a deck of oracle cards and I started learning to listen to my soul and to listen to the universe. And another big thing that I got out of that was that I found Abraham Hicks teachings. So, and that's all about the law of attraction and abundance. And at this point in time, I, again, I had no self-esteem, my self-worth, there, there was none. Um, I had a small hope in my heart for a better life, but that was about it. My mindset, I was so negative. I was a victim. I felt grief and resentment and anger at the world. And all I wanted was to be saved, was to be free. And I was so judgmental because I couldn't see 
how anybody deserved a better life when I was working so hard to have one. And yet I wasn't worthy enough. And part of those, part of that mindset actually came from my growing up as a Christian because I was always forced to, like during confession, I was forced to repent my, my evil thoughts about the people that were hurting me and bullying me. I used to have to do that. And I was always told that I had to be humble and pious and I had to be all of these things and I couldn't shine too bright and um, I had to fit in this perfect little box. Otherwise, God would hate me and I would go to hell. And I would be undeserving of anything in life. And as a result, those were the thoughts that were going through my head all of the time. And I actually had a very big, I call it my God wound, because I still still have some issues with Jesus. I'm getting there, though. But really what it is, is it's a religious wound. I couldn't stand the church because it didn't provide safety or solace for me. All it provided was judgment and pain, and it contributed to my not-enoughness. So... Where am I going with this? Back to the um, the beach body part of this. So I knew that I had to change. And yes, my mindset. So my mindset was very, very negative, very negative. And I had so much judgment and I was a victim and my life was horrible. Like if you had asked me, like I never thought that I had a good life back then. And I had a very hard life, but there were a lot of good things in it, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't see anything good. So this, this group, this may you love yourself spiritually. I learned that was the, the, that was a starting point where it started shifting my mindset. It started shifting my entire life because I started being able to see things in a different way. Now, I was still struggling for a long time through this because it it took me uh, another year, just another over a year to fight for mental health support because again, I still was not in a position where I could just go out and get and get therapy couldn't afford it and um, I didn't unfortunately know about the free resources that I know about now um, and nobody wanted to talk to me about it. Everybody told me like, don't get mental health support because you'll ruin your career. Well, my career, my career was already pretty much in the toilet. So at that point I had nothing to lose, but I still had to fight because the military wouldn't recognize the fact that all of the harassment and the chronic pain and everything that I had been through literally effed up my mind. Like I was, I was injured on every level. And I struggled a lot. So it took me a year, just over a year to finally get mental health support. And then my actual, like for a while, therapy, whether it was counseling, physio, chiropractic, massage therapy, like every type of therapy you could pretty much think of, I was doing it. It was like a full-time job for me and it was exhausting. But what it allowed me to do was finally heal. That mixed with the fact that I got obsessed with learning about spirituality. I got obsessed about with learning how to 
get in touch with my soul, how to listen to my soul. And I'm so thankful to this day for that first Beachbody group that taught me about spirituality because I don't know where I'd be today. And you know, it's honestly, it's, um, I don't regret or resent anything about my journey. And I wouldn't go back and change a thing despite all of the hardship, all of the pain and the grief and just the guilt, the shame, everything I went through, I would not change a thing because I would not be the person I am today. And you know, it's, it's interesting because hindsight's always twenty twenty. And looking back, I can see the points where my soul was asking me to do something different and I didn't listen. And you know, I believe that spirit, the universe, um, it will give you nudges to ask you to step onto a different path in the right direction, in the direction that is aligned with your soul. And it will give you nudge after nudge after nudge. And if you ignore those nudges, those nudges become pushes and then they become punches and then they become kicks. And then maybe the universe might run you over with a metaphorical car. That's pretty much what happened to me is the universe was yelling at me and I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to the fact that I needed to change, that I needed to be some, that I needed to be on a different path. So the universe, I truly believe that the reason I was injured was because the universe ran me over with a metaphorical car. No, I did not actually get hit by a car, but it was that much of an impact that I was forced to change because I literally was not able to do the job that I had been doing. I had to find a different path and it was painful as hell, but I did it. So after all of the therapy and I was obsessed, like I said, I was obsessed with learning about new age spirituality and I used to listen to Abraham Hicks YouTube videos on a daily basis for hours upon hours a day. Um, And what that did is it taught me how to think differently. It, It gave me a different mindset. It showed me that I had control in my life and that I also had to take responsibility for my life because for all of the things that happened to me, I also had responsibility. I did not ask for the help that I actually needed because I was afraid and I was too proud. And I thought that I would be judged and hated for asking for help. Had I asked for help, maybe things would have been different. Maybe not. I don't know. But I did have a responsibility there. And I have a responsibility with regards to my thoughts, my actions, my reactions, my emotions. I can control them in a healthy way, in a sacred way. And I don't have to be blameful all the time. And, you know, releasing that blame, all that resentment and hurt really freed me. I strongly believe that forgiveness is one of our most powerful tools. And 
I have forgiven. Forgiveness does not condone the actions of others. But what forgiveness really does is allows you to release the burden on yourself. And it gives you the permission to heal. Because when we withhold forgiveness, we withhold healing from ourselves. So the ultimate forgiveness that we need to give is not for the other person. It's for us. So I learned to take responsibility. I learned to forgive. And my life completely changed from that point forward. I was able to pay off all my debt, which with all the interest was probably close to 80, 90 grand. I learned that beach body coaching was not the right path for me. But rather, I discovered that I wanted to be a life coach. And at first, it started with just spiritual coaching. Um, but then I felt like that wasn't, wasn't quite deep enough. And I have evolved over this time because as I grow, as I learn, as I heal more and more and more, everything that I am meant to do in the world evolves because I'm stepping deeper and deeper into my purpose. So though after I decided beach body coaching was not right, I decided that I wanted to be a spiritual coach. I started focusing more on impacting people's lives. At that point, I was more of an inspiration than impactful, but I was still showing up. And then as my release from the military came around, which it took a long time for me to actually be, be released. And honestly, prior to my release, my official release, I felt like I was in limbo because I was, I was still injured. Sorry about the sirens. You can hear that. I was still injured. And I was still in a lot of pain and my mental health was still not great. I was still healing. Um, but I was also at a point where I was ready to start moving forward with my life, but I wasn't allowed to because I was still in the military. So I literally had to kind of sit and wait. So what I did in that time was I studied, um, I learned more, I read tons of books, I listened to tons of podcasts. Like it was learning and healing and growing was my life. And then I was finally released from the military, and that's when I started my life coaching certification. And my life coaching certification was amazing. Oh, I'm so grateful for it. Because I always knew that I, have, I had the ability to be an amazing coach, but I didn't have the framework or the foundation for it. Now, some people, they go and they can coach no problem without any foundation, and they're just naturally good at it. I'm the kind of person that needs to have a foundation. So I, I took an actual International Coaching Federation accredited program, um, and I did my certification and all of my training through that. And it has been an amazing experience. And I got so much experience because I got to coach real people. I got to coach peers. Um, I have clients. And it just grew from there. And everything that I've done, every person I've coached, every life I've life I've touched. I have learned so much from other people's journeys and having them put their trust in me. And it's just been beautiful and amazing. And I 
couldn't ask for anything better. And I'm so glad that after everything I went through, I was able to make it to this place. And my life is so different now. It is so different. I don't judge anymore for the most part. I mean, maybe like two, three percent of the time, but I catch myself when that happens. I can honestly say that I am truly joyful on a daily basis. Even when I'm having a bad day, I can still find true joy. Things don't take me out the way they used to. I am full of love and full of purpose. I am, I mean, I have my own coaching business. It is beautiful. I, everything I had dreamed of, I am creating. I never thought that my partner and I would be able to purchase a house. We just bought a house this year. My mental health is in an amazing place. Um, I have done so much energetic and healing work. My physical pain is not as debilitating as it used to be. I still have bad days. It's going to be natural, but instead of bad weeks, bad months, it is a bad day here and there, maybe a couple together. My life is better. And the growth I've experienced, the people I have met, I mean, I've invested into group coaching programs for myself. I have my own one-on-one coach. That is something I never thought I would be able to do. But I'm able to do these things and I do them without fear. Because there was a time when I thought that a $200 investment into a bag of Shakeology was too much. And you know... At at that point in time, in many ways it was, but I also wasn't willing to make it happen. I wasn't willing to grab the change the way I needed. But now, and it's taken a while, it's taken a lot of inner work, I invest in myself and I don't question it because I know that that will be returned to me tenfold. And that every time I invest in myself, it's a deeper investment into you. Because the more I better myself, the better I show up for all of you. And you are my purpose. I'm not here to talk to a microphone and have a podcast that is not going to impact anybody. I am here to make an impact. Because my soul is asking me to talk to your soul so that you can step into your purpose, into your power, and bring your vision to life and have the life that you deserve. I am your guide and I am your lighthouse and I finally get to do that. And it's so beautiful. Change doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. Actually, my favorite quote here, this kind of changes a little bit, but one of my favorite quotes is that change happens in an instant, but transformation happens over time. Because you can make a small change and it's, it's there, right there. But that transformation, that's what takes time. But that transformation is what is so beautiful and so worth it. And it that transformation is made up of so many beautiful little changes. And every single step that you take counts. Every single step. It everything ties together. Don't ever discount 
something that you have done or something that you've read or heard or whatever it is, because that tiny piece, as insignificant as it might be, might actually shift your whole world, just like it did mine. I want to thank you all for tuning into this episode. I know this was a long one. Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for listening to my story. I am so honored to be walking this journey with you and to be your lighthouse and your guide and your partner. I love you all so much. Remember that you are worthy. And if you are in a place where you are not feeling that, know that you will get there. Just don't give up on yourself. And if you feel like you need help with getting to that place, with bringing your vision to life, I am so ready, willing, and able to walk this path with you and help you. I have a beautiful free Facebook community. You can search it on Facebook. It is called the Soul Service Community. And just like the podcast, Soul Service Community, I'll put it in the show notes, the link to that. And then I also have one-on-one coaching spots. So if you feel like doing one-on-one coaching is right for you, then by all means, please send me a message. I'll put the contact information in the show notes, or you can follow me on social media. Um, Everything is at Anastasia Burtnick. Uh, That's Facebook and Instagram. And I just want to be so deeply connected to you. And whether you join my free community or you want to start with coaching, it doesn't matter. I am here for you. If you ever have questions or you need help with anything, please reach out. So I would love to know what your takeaways from this episode were, what your thoughts are. So you can send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or email. um, And I will definitely get back to you. And please let me know what kind of topics you might want to hear. Thank you again so much for tuning in. And I'll see you on the next episode. I love you. Thank you for joining me today on the Soul Service Podcast. Do you want to feel powerful, vibrant, and happy in your daily life? Get in on my free Walk Your Path to Power Challenge. Head on over and join me at AnastasiaBurtnick.com forward slash power. If you love what you heard today, I would be over the moon if you could leave me a five-star review and subscribe over on iTunes. I want to help as many people as I can, and I can't do it without your support. I'll see you on the next episode.